Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. It's Mark with another episode of In the News. That's all the news for independent paint retailers. Today, we're looking at earnings. That's from Sherwin-Williams, PPG, and Masco. It's August 21st, 2023. Let's get into it. Starting off with Sherwin-Williams, the world's largest paint manufacturer reported that Consolidated net sales had increased 6.3% in the second quarter. That's to a record six and a quarter billion dollars in sales for three calendar months. Sales from stores in the United States and Canada opened for more than 12 calendar months increased 9.5%, uh, in that quarter. And so that's in line. Cheryl Williams reporting sales and results in line with expectations considering the rate of inflation. One thing that's interesting before before we dig into the minutia of the information that they've shared, even though sales were only up 6%, net income for the company increased almost 40%, 38.9% to $3.07 a share. So like many corporations around the United States right now and in Canada, a lot of the inflation and the price of paint is being caused by excessive profit margins being taken as compared to what large corporations were taking just a few short years ago. And so here in the paint industry, we see an example of that in Cheryl Williams. Cheryl Williams Chief Executive John Maricus said, our team delivered strong results in the second quarter as sales exceeded expectations in all three segments, which is true, but he doesn't remind you that he had expected sales in all three segments to suck. And he said that uh, at the end of his first quarter presentation, that they were not looking forward to particularly good sales. And so they met basically expectations. Their sales are flat. They're basically moving up at the rate of inflation. If John Maricus wants to claim victory for that, I suppose he can. Gross margin, Maricus went on to say, improved to 46%. So now, Sherwin-Williams, the largest paint manufacturer in the world, is making more gross profit margin than most small independent paint retailers I know. Where they are having some success, now digging into the numbers a little bit, in our reportable segments, growth in our paint stores group was led by double-digit percentage growth in protective and marine commercial and property maintenance. The announcement went on to share. So uh, there are some parts of Sherwin-Williams business that are doing well, growing more than the rate of inflation. In residential repaint, sales were up high single digits, so that's somewhere in the 7, 8, 9% range, according to the announcement. That's the market segment where most independent retailers compete with Sherwin-Williams on an everyday basis. And so Sherwin-Williams lost a tremendous amount of volume in this category uh, during the pandemic and during uh, some product shortages that they had due to a supply chain crisis that went on for about a year. And it, it doesn't look like with their sales in resi repaint growing at uh, the rate of inflation or perhaps even a little less than the rate of inflation, it doesn't look like they're having much success taking that business back. And that's really good news for Benjamin Moore retailers around the United States who picked up, by my estimation, uh, several hundred million. I've done some work just trying to calculate that just sort of back of the napkin. And, and it could be easily in the $400 million range that they picked up from Sherwin-Williams. And so good for Benjamin Moore, good for their retailers to be hanging on to that business. 
Sales in the consumer brands group, which is primarily products that they make for the big boxes, some products that you still might find in some dealer stores. These went up low single digit percentages in North America. And so uh, very little growth. In fact, uh, probably negative growth. The DIY segment continues to be very challenging for uh, the nation's largest paint manufacturer. And as you're going to see in a few minutes, uh, the same thing applies to uh, Pittsburgh and Masco. I've had dealers reach out to me and ask me why it is that I call out Sherwin-Williams Chief Executive John Maricus from time to time in my blog. And here's an opportunity for me to show you why that is. In his CEO remarks, Maricus began the presentation by saying our team delivered very strong results in the second quarter. And that's great that he started out like that and everybody got to hear that. But now that I am approximately, you know, having moved halfway through the presentation and getting into the analysis of the actual accounting that the company reports, that's the narrative as well as the actual accounting and financial disclosures right here in their own narrative, consolidated net sales increased primarily due to selling increases. And so that doesn't sound like particularly strong results to me. And so that's why I like to point that out is just to say that I note that disparity. Speaking to the paint store group, that's their 4,000 or so stores around the United States. Net sales in the paint store group increased primarily due to mid-single-digit volume growth across most end markets, as well as selling price increases, which impacted sales in the mid-single-digit percentage. So what they're telling you here is that the paint store groups went up mid-single-digit percentage and that they had price increases in the mid-single-digit percentage. So the paint store groups not seeing any growth in real volume uh, at any time during the second quarter. They are saying that profitability out of the paint store group continues to increase as the sales that they are hanging on to are coming in at a significantly higher margin. And so Sherwin-Williams clearly hanging on to the money uh, that this opportunity has brought them. And, and I think that's contrary to what most of us were expecting. I think that a lot of this volume that Sherwin-Williams lost to Benjamin Moore retailers over the last number of years, I spoke to a lot of retailers who were expecting Sherwin-Williams to sort of drop their prices and sort of come back and try to get that business. But we are not seeing that Sherwin-Williams right now intently focusing their efforts on raising their profit margins. Chief Executive Officer John Maricus in his comments also added that as a result of our better than expected first half results and our current visibility into the second half, we are increasing our sales and earnings guidance for the full year. At the same time, our second half comparisons remain challenging and demand is likely to vary widely by region and end market, leading us to focus even more intensely on our new account and share of wallet initiatives. In the paint store group, we expect demand to remain solid in commercial property maintenance, protective and marine and residential repaint. I'm not so sure that it's so solid in residential repaint now, John, but okay. We expect new residential demand to remain soft due to continued slowing of completions, though share gains should enable us to outperform the market. In the Consumer Brands Group, North American DIY demand remains soft. We talked about that a little while ago, and that's the end of the quote. And so Sherwin-Williams seeing sort of a mixed bag. I don't generally provide much coverage to Sherwin-Williams high performance or other divisions uh, coil coatings and, but it, it looks to me right now, like generally speaking, the part of their business that, uh, competes with, 
you know, sort of your typical independent paint retailer is is performing adequately enough. Here's the part where they forecast into the future that I always find interesting. As for our guidance, we expect 2023 third quarter consolidated net sales uh, to be up or down a low single digit percentage. So basically somewhere in the neighborhood of flat to down a little bit in terms of actual revenue, because you're still going to be facing uh, up against some inflationary numbers. Some of these price increases were within the trailing 12 months. And so, uh, basically, what they're telling you is that things continue to look flat, at least for the next couple of quarters. And so a little bit of choppy waters for the nation's largest paint manufacturer. Nothing that I would be uh, overly worried about if I was John Maricus in terms of their uh, sales performance. It seems like profitability is uh, on the rise. I would be more concerned with their debt load than anything else. But right now, they seem to be holding their own. So let's move on to PPG. Before I get into PPG's results, I wanted to start by just saying you'll notice that I don't make the same commentary on uh, PPG's announcements as I do on Sherwin-Williams regarding their transparency and their efforts to be direct in their presentations. And, and to that point, when you log into a PPG financial results presentation right from the first page, you get everything uh, you need or a really good start or a good idea on how the company is performing without uh, any sort of narrative or attempt to obscure that. And so PPG reported net sales for the quarter of just under $5 billion. That's up 4%. And like Sherwin-Williams, they are seeing significant increases in profitability. We're going to talk about that in a second. But uh, here's what I love about the PPG presentation. Of the increased revenue of 4% that the company reported, 6% of that was due to price. So in other words, the company is actually telling you transparently they had a 2% decrease uh, in total gallon volume. And and that's because the company claims that sales have been impacted by softer global economic activity and a slow recovery in China, which obviously is not all that relevant to most of the dealers listening. And so one of the things that I like about these presentations is they're really straightforward in their sort of red light, yellow light, green light. And so let me share some of the green lights that the company uh, spoke about that they see on the horizon. Uh, they do see, like Sherwin-Williams, they're seeing some advancements in some very specialty coding. Uh, aerospace is starting to recover and uh, they're seeing a big backlog there. And PPG makes a tremendous amount of money out of that division. They're also seeing higher profitability costs are coming down for the these big manufacturers, it's costing them less to make a gallon of paint uh, than it did a year ago, even though they're charging more for it. And so uh, they're really making a fortune. There's plenty of raw material available to them. So that is now considered a green light. That problem, at least for PPG, is behind them. And I think for the whole industry, it would seem that the Alkids, which was sort of the last bit of the supply chain issues that uh, failed to recover because of that fire in Columbus, it seems that that uh, has come back online. And for the most part, everybody seems to be able to get uh, all the products that they need. A uh, couple of things that they're watching in the United States, particularly of interest, is, is U.S. consumer spending, PPG and Sherwin-Williams, both saying that they're very concerned 
prospectively for consumer spending in the United States. That's not necessarily to say that that will impact independent retailers, but it's certainly interesting uh, that these two companies who are both, who are at least well invested in the process of, of sort of understanding their business, you know, these are multi-billion dollar industries who are getting good information on the economy when they're making these forecasts. And so that is something that they're sharing that is of concern. And we're still at you know, full employment or very close to it. I don't want to apply any sort of knowledge or being an an economist here, but we all know what's going on. It's very hard to find people right now. And so that obviously could have some effects perhaps on inflation, but that could mean, you know, more better times for independent retailers who are selling paint, hopefully to people who are working and, and making money. The red lights for PPG, they are very concerned about the U.S. housing market, the new construction, and this is a part of the market that PPG and Sherwin-Williams are both heavy players in uh, new construction, obviously with interest rates being as high, and we can all sort of read about uh, what's going on there if you have any interest in that topic. And so this area has really been a struggle for both of the major paint manufacturers, and I think that they're both expecting it to stay that way. They're both worried about rising interest rates. And so I think that there's some real concerns how that'll affect the near future for paint sales. But I do think that there's reason for dealers to maybe not share so much of that concern because a lot of that is really going to big retail. And I think we're going to a different market that's not affected that same way. We're not as dependent, independent retailers are not nearly as dependent on that new construction and new housing market. And so the company does a nice job of breaking down all of their segments and how they performed by segment in a really clear way. I really appreciate this as somebody reporting on these our earnings. I'm sure that all of the analysts and journalists who cover them appreciate what a good job PPG does in this regard. I'd skip most of them. Again, uh, automotive refinish and aerospace, generally speaking, is just not the area that I cover. But architectural paints in the United States... Uh, we're up low single digits and they are expecting low single digit increases for the next quarter as well. And so low single digits, when you pull out the inflation means they continue to expect a decrease in volume somewhere in the two or 3%. Industrial coatings is a good category to report from PPG because they do separate out from the automotive OEM and their packaging coatings. And so the industrial is more in line with what paint retailers understand sort of epoxies and and other heavy industrial tank linings and other products that many retailers that I know uh, do deal with. And, and in that market segment, PPG is forecasting that that segment should see mid single digits reduction in volume. And so that area really struggling. Before we move on to Masco, let me just make one other mention from the PPG presentation. PPG has really ambitious sustainability goals for the reduction of their carbon footprint and the effect that the company has on the planet. And they have a very uh, ambitious plan in place to reduce that uh, significantly by 2030. To that point, the company announced uh, 50% reductions in some types of uh, carbon emissions and 30% reductions in other types of carbon emissions, which get measured as part of validating their goals. In addition to that, the company is seeing a 15% reduction in water use at their priority sites, as well as 25% uh, reduction in waste. And so I applaud PPG for 
not just the actual accomplishments, but I applaud the company for putting this front and center right when you have the attention of the financial community and all the journalists that cover the company. They put the environmental impact right front and center. And, and I have a lot of respect for that, though I have problems with the way the company treats their independent retailers. In this regard, I find them to be a good corporate citizen. I'm beginning to understand that I have responsibility just as somebody in the channel to talk about the effects that paint has on the earth and on the environment of the earth. And, and, and listen, paint is made from earthen pigments. The resins are made from fossil fuels, which are drilled from deep inside of the earth. They're dangerous to access. They're dangerous to process and they're dangerous to transport. As recently as a few weeks ago, you might have noticed this. Uh, Cheryl Williams plant fire and, and the company did a good job. This fire was out very quickly and they were able to contain it. I saw some drone footage as well as some fire remediation because that fire did not spread. And when you consider that the plant was making industrial products, so think about the types of solvents that were there. And this really could have been uh, a calamity. And, and so I'm finding more and more I'm, I'm prepared to accept my responsibility. And that's why I want to call out. Uh, to everybody and say, listen, we're all selling paint. So we're all part of the problem. Microplastics from paint are polluting our oceans. They're polluting our bodies. I applaud PPG for accepting their responsibility in trying to fix this. And in fact, I, I call on Cheryl Williams and Benjamin Moore and the other large manufacturers to start reporting their effects on the environment in so, so transparent of a way as PPG so that we can all keep track of how they're doing to make the paint making process less harmful to the earth. And so moving on to Masco and Masco, we have to be careful because even though they are the owner of Bear, that is the brand that is the ex exclusive paint brand of the Home Depot, there are other pieces of Masco. Masco is more than just paint. They're a large manufacturer of plumbing fixtures. And so I will tell you that the top line at Masco, that's their total revenue, decreased 10% for the second quarter. And that was inclusive of some inflation. So really a big hit for Masco. But I want to talk about the just the paint numbers separately, because generally speaking, I don't find that the results in the plumbing all that relevant. And so in the decorative architectural product segment, that's the segment of Masco that is just bare paint and what other paint brands they own. Uh, total uh, segment revenue decreased 8%, and that is up against some inflationary pressure as well. So an enormous drop in volume of paint sales at the Home Depot. Revenue in paints and other coating products decreased mid-single digits. So Home Depot really having some trouble selling paint right now. Pro paint sales, and that's a segment of the market that Home Depot is constantly working on. Uh, they've spent quite a lot of money, tens of millions of dollars, uh, developing an app trying to uh, break into this segment. Uh, in this segment for the second quarter, pro paint sales declined mid-single digits. And so even though they are claiming some of that was up against a very large comp, and I, I do understand that those uh, can be difficult comparisons at times, but still considering the inflation for Home Depot to have had a sales decline in this category, that's just not something that other manufacturers uh, are really seeing. So that's a sign of trouble selling paint to professional painters at Home Depot. In DIY, the company reported that paint sales declined low single digits, and then you take inflation off of that. So again, even at the DIY level, Home Depot really struggling to sell paint. 
Home Depot, in fact, reporting that unlike Sherwin-Williams and unlike PPG, operating profits uh, were down significantly impacted uh, by the lower volume. And some of that was partially offset by the uh, creeping higher in uh, prices due to inflation, but not enough. Masco uh, really having trouble selling paint and having trouble making money doing it. For the remainder of the year, Masco is forecasting an 8 to 10% decrease in sales for the third quarter. And so continued red ink, I think, for Masco for the coming couple of months. I don't think that this is something that's just in paint I'm speaking to. And, and I don't think that uh, this is the sort of outcome that any other manufacturers are expecting, certainly not the ones that are selling in in uh, segments where independent paint retailers uh, play. And so uh, really some hard times. And, and this lines up with what Sherwin-Williams and PPG both reported. Uh, you recall Sherwin-Williams uh, Consumer Brands Group, that's the, that's the, the division that sells products uh, to Home Depot and to Lowe's. So, so obviously Home Depot just in general struggling to sell paint. And one final thought, I get a lot of questions from retailers about the value of this information and how we can get better information that would allow for better comparisons directly with other dealers of the independent network. Dealers ask me frequently why I don't report on information more directly from our network or results from Benjamin Moore. And, and the truth is that that information is just impossible to come by. Benjamin Moore is under no obligation to report that. They're owned by Berkshire Hathaway. And as a result, their earnings are just reported with the sort of the division that they're in. In the second quarter of 2023, that division that Benjamin Moore is in inside Berkshire Hathaway reported sales of $92 billion. It's likely that only four or 500 million of that was Benjamin Moore. So just an infinitesimal amount, you, nothing that uh, you can use there that would be of any value to understanding the macroeconomics. And so the information with, without that obligation, the information doesn't exist. And, and I don't necessarily blame Benjamin Moore. If I was uh, CEO Dan Calkins, I'm not sure that I would be sharing my secrets unless I was forced to as PPG and Sharon Williams are. And so I understand that, but that doesn't mean that there isn't other information that the company possesses that they couldn't share with their dealers that would help them uh, compare themselves to at the very least each other. Benjamin Moore likely pays for research and understands market conditions well, and they certainly understand their own sales data. And so even information regarding product mixes so that uh, one Benjamin Moore retailer can compare themselves to others in their region on, on how much premium product, how much super premium product, how much floor paint are you selling? Any of those comparisons make it possible for a dealer to sort of mark their business for places where they can do better. And so this information would only help Benjamin Moore because it would only help the channel. And I do think that there are some ways that Benjamin Moore could make that information available. So anyway, that's it for this week. Like, subscribe, let me know what it is you want to write about there. Shoot me a text. Uh, send me an email. Let me know what you want to hear about next. I I do have a new format of uh, podcasts coming out, something new I'm trying that allows me to make them a little faster and a little easier. And so uh, I'll have that out to you sometime in the next couple of weeks.